Hello again, Fight fans. Welcome to episode number 146 of The Neutral Corner. I am Michael Montero for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. This is TNC 146 for the week of November 10th. Coming to you guys a little later than we've been coming to you the past month or so. Um, recording this Monday evening. And the truth is, uh, Tiff and I, my fiance, we got out of town for a couple of nights. And just we drove up to the mountains about three hours north of Atlanta. And she wanted to see all the leaves changing colors and all that. We went up towards Asheville, North Carolina. If you guys have never been out there and you're in uh, you know, the East Coast, that part of the country, I highly recommend checking it out. Once uh, fall hits and all the leaves change colors, really, really beautiful. It's very, very remote and quiet. And you know, I travel a lot. And I, Tiff and I travel a lot over the past year, really over the past several years since we've met. But most of the time when we're traveling, it's for work. You know, it's for boxing or it's for family, something like that. We haven't traveled and got, gotten out of town just, just for a night or two in over a year. So it was nice to kind of do that and recharge our batteries and everything like that. Anyway, guys, so back here uh, in Atlanta, recording TNC 146. Thank you for listening. Before I get into news and notes, and we've had a couple of bombshells drop over the past few days while I was gone. Some of it, I still don't know if it's legit or not, including this Floyd Mayweather thing. We'll see. But um, wanted to remind you guys, my fee for this podcast, okay, this is non-monetary. Of course, those of you who want to pick up a tea, who want to uh, contribute to the channel, you could do that on Patreon. You could email me if you're interested in an MOB t-shirt. All that stuff helps. But non-monetary fee for this podcast, what I ask you guys to do, and sometimes I'll give you a different assignment, a different fee. What I want you to do this week, refer one friend, one friend or family member to my YouTube channel, to the Montero Unboxing YouTube channel. I don't give a damn if they're a boxing fan, a diehard boxing fan or not. They could just be a casual sports fan, whatever. Refer one friend to the Montero Unboxing YouTube channel. Okay, that is the fee for episode 146. Let's get into news and notes. Okay, so the biggest thing, obviously, to drop here, in, and I'm guys, I'm way behind on my emails and everything after being gone for a day or two, being off the radar, but obviously, Floyd Mayweather versus Tenshin Nasukawa. And they're talking about fighting December 31st on New Year's. I've talked to you guys about this a million times, how there is a tradition over in Japan, in Tokyo, that uh, they do fight cards on New Year's Eve. It's a, it's a normal thing over there. It's very, very normal. This would be a Monday night over there in uh, Satama, which is a suburb of Tokyo. It's about 25 kilometers or 15 miles north of Tokyo. So it's in the Tokyo Metro. Monday night over there, December 31st, and I think they're about 14 hours ahead of East Coast USA. So, I mean, it would be Monday morning here in the States. So obviously this will not be a pay-per-view and the rights to pick up this fight here in the States will be cheap as hell. So would not surprise me to see this possibly go to network TV if that could be worked out. If not, then definitely going to one of these streaming services like The Zone or something like that here in the States. 
I don't know a damn thing about this Nasukawa guy. Here's what I know, it ain't much. He's only 20 years old, but he's already a big star in Japan. I wanna say he had like 100 or so kickboxing fights uh, as an amateur there. And as a pro, he's 27 and 0 as a kickboxer. He's 4 and 0 as an MMA fighter. All of them in Japan. All of his fights, his kickboxing, his MMA wrestling fights, all in Japan. I also know just from the photos I've seen and from the tail of the tape, he's much smaller than Floyd. He's it, picture Roman Gonzalez, you know, Chocolatito standing next to Floyd. That's basically how this Japanese kid looks. I look at this whole thing and honestly guys, I could give a big hot steaming shit. I don't care. I'm talking about it here because I know a lot of you are gonna be interested in it. But Floyd has never boxed outside the United States. And once he became a star, he never left the Nevada State Athletic Commission, right? He never left that very comfortable jurisdiction where he could do whatever the hell he wanted. And he was on a first name basis with everybody in that Nevada commission and the USADA people who are a for-profit organization. And you guys know the troubled history with all that. No need to beat that dead horse. This dude wouldn't leave to go over to the UK to fight over there. He wouldn't ever dream of going over to Germany or Japan or anything like that for a boxing match. Suddenly he's gonna go fight this kickboxer slash MMA kid who's 20 years old over in the suburbs of Tokyo. To me, this just screams of Floyd unanimous decision. I like They still haven't said, is this gonna be a boxing fight? Some kind of hybrid kickboxing type of thing? I would assume it might be kickboxing. I, I don't know, but Floyd is not doing this because he has a chance to lose. He's gonna go over there and win a decision and beat this kid. And Floyd Mayweather fans will think it's amazing. He's trying to expand his TBE or TMT, whatever the hell it is, brand over in Tokyo, I guess. And this is all part of that promotion. So he could go over there, make a boatload of money and win another fight. This is, I basically look at this guys as a WWE kind of a thing. That's basically what this is to me. This is like professional, and I'm doing air quotes as I say professional wrestling. So if you are big into watching The Rock and you know, the big show and that, all that kind of stuff. That's basically what this is gonna be, okay? All right, we'll talk about, a little bit more about that as more details come out, but honestly, I'm not gonna spend that much time on it, guys. All right, okay, boxing news. Boxing news that matters, let's talk about that. Mikey Garcia dumps his IBF lightweight title. He had a purse bid coming up for a mandatory challenger fight and they canceled that purse bid when he dumped the IBF title, obviously. So now the IBF is gonna have the two top rated contenders fight for their vacant title. So right now the Errol Spence bout seems imminent for February. And it looks like that just might happen. Happening, obviously that's going to be pay-per-view. In my opinion, that's not a pay-per-view worthy fight, but I understand why they're gonna go that route. And look, when PBC announced their deal with Showtime and Fox, uh, a lot of you guys out there thought, well, cool, you know, if it's a more expensive fight to put it on Showtime and the regular fights to put on Fox and the really low level fights could be Fox Sports 1 and maybe this means that there won't be any pay-per-views in PBC. Guys, pay-per-views are still part of the, the game over at PBC. And their whole plan when they started PBC back in what, 2015 was it? 
I think it was 2015, years down the road, they wanted to build some of their fighters into pay-per-view stars. And the way they see it right now, guys like Deontay Wilder, guys like Mikey Garcia, they hope Errol Spence, uh, Keith Thurman, they're pay-per-view ready fighters in their opinion. I don't think these fights going to pay-per-view are going to do particularly well in terms of the pay-per-view sales. But you got to understand, for what these guys are being paid, for Garcia and Spence, if that does a quarter million pay-per-view buys, and I think it very well could, mostly because of Garcia, uh, they'll make enough money, you know? And, And that fight will likely go to Vegas, I would think. And because of the site fee and everything else that they'll get, I think that it'll be profitable enough. So uh, there's going to be a few of these pay-per-view cards from the PBC universe. Now, I should also state that at some point, if Lomachenko could get a guy like Mikey Garcia to fight him, I don't think it'll happen. But if, or if let's say a Keith Thurman was willing to fight a Terrence Crawford, those fights would likely be some sort of ESPN boxing pay-per-view. So pay-per-view is still going to be part of the sport. It ain't going away. So you guys as fans have to decide how you want to deal with that. Why I feel positive about the way things are structured right now, particularly if you are an American fight fan, is because for so long you depended on HBO to provide you the best boxing content and you were paying $15 a month and you weren't even getting that much damn content. And you knew damn well the best fights immediately would go into pay-per-view. And there were times where HBO, I talked about the situation with Terrence Crawford or Victor Postal, where they refused to put up the money to, to pay uh, what Bob Arum needed to get for that fight to meet Terrence Crawford's financial demands, his, his guarantees. Um, they wouldn't pay it and they wouldn't pick it up as a pay-per-view. So top rank had to do their own private pay-per-view. And you guys remember how much that show bombed. It actually did well at the venue in Vegas, but the actual pay-per-view show bombed. And you saw more and more of that sort of thing happening with HBO. Man, now with the zone and ESPN plus and regular ESPN, which you're already getting if you have basic cable, man, it's the same thing you were paying for HBO and you're getting regular boxing program all programming all the time and it's not just American cards you're getting stuff from all over the world so I understand that the the pay-per-views thinking about Mikey Mikey Garcia and Errol Spence that might be freaking you out pissing you off and you you already got to pay for a pay-per-view for Wilder and Fury and that undercard is atrocious I get it but you know what guys you can find a stream you can pick and choose which pay-per-views you want to fight or buy and you can always fight back with your wallet. If you feel the zone for $10 a month here in America is providing you with better content than even what Showtime is giving you, you can cancel your Showtime subscription. All right, we'll talk more about that in the months and years to come as this new landscape of boxing and, and how boxing media is consumed continues to change. I'm sure this will be an ongoing conversation. But for now, It looks like Garcia and Spence, early next year, Showtime pay-per-view. To me, man, if you put that on Fox, that would be great. And you know what? I'm starting to have, I'm starting to lean towards Mikey Garcia in that fight. And I know you guys think I'm nuts, but I'm starting to feel an upset special brewing inside of me 
Garcia by split decision or something. I'm telling you, especially if it goes to Las Vegas. Okay, let's talk about some ratings. Uh, speaking about HBO, uh, Sergey Drevyanchenko challenged Daniel Jacobs uh, for a vacant title a week back. That card, or that fight, I should say, that main event, didn't average about half a million views. That was the average. Now, you go back to Jacobs' fight with Sulecki back in April, that averaged over 800,000 views. That tells you just how far the ball has dropped at HBO Championship Boxing. And good riddance to them. I love what HBO has done and their contribution to the sport, but they, their time has passed. And it's just like guys like Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, for, for a couple years, I, I talked this way about Miguel Cotto. You reach a certain point where your time has passed. It's time to walk away into the sunset so that we can look back and we can uh, reminisce and replay all the great moments you gave us and we can start to celebrate all of that. That's where HBO boxing has been for the last three, four, five years. So bye-bye to them. 500,000 views for a middleweight title fight in New York that features two New York guys. One, an American-born New York guy who's been on HBO for years. And in fact, he fought Golovkin on HBO pay-per-view, right? Uh, Jacobs, he's, he's a name. And to average 500,000 views... I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Okay, upcoming fights. Artur Baturbiev is fighting Joe Smith Jr. on the Canelo Fielding undercard December 15th. I think that's going to be an interesting fight. And I say it because Joe Smith can crack. Baturbiev was dropped in his last fight over Callum Johnson. They had to come back. I think Smith punches harder than Johnson. And he's been in with better fighters uh, to, to the point that, you know, Johnson hadn't been in until he fought Baturbiev the level of fighters that Smith has fought. So I actually think it's going to be a fun fight. Of course, I favor Baturbiev, but Smith, hey man, he lands clean early on. Who knows what the hell could happen? Also, December 22nd, O2 Arena in London, the rematch between heavyweights Dillian White and Derek Chisora. That is a done deal. That is happening. Uh, that will be pay-per-view over there. I believe here in the States that will be on the zone. So I'm excited that, you know, I don't have to pony up the dough for pay-per-view as you, you UK guys do. But I believe your UK pay-per-views over there are the equivalent of what would be like $25 here. Guys, most bars in America, I'm not talking LA or New York bars. I'm talking Atlanta, Chicago, real regular cities, DC. Two beers is $25. So you know, I think it was 15 pounds, 20 pounds over there, something like that for you guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, if they stack that card, I don't think that's bad. Their first fight, which was what last, man, when was their first fight? Uh, last year uh, was entertaining, right? And they both fought on the same card in July. Chisora had a TKO eight win over Carlos Takam, which, which honestly surprised me. I, I favored Takam coming into that fight. And White got a unanimous decision win over Joseph Parker. That's two good wins for these two guys. You know, beating Parker, beating Takam. Parker is still a top 10 heavyweight. Takam is a borderline kind of guy, a top 15, top 20 kind of guy. Uh, he's, you know, fought well against some top heavyweights. 
those are two good wins for these guys. And I, you know, they deserve this rematch. Is it pay-per-view worthy? No, not necessarily. Uh, but again, with that lower pay-per-view price over there, and that's the thing with you UK guys, you know, it's a smaller country. Go, go to the fight. Go to London and enjoy that fight. If, if you, you know, the thought of doing the pay-per-view, you know, pisses you off or whatever, man, you guys have, have such a fun time over there going to your events. They do it up so well. The promotion over there and just the, 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 the theatrics of it all and everything. Spend some extra cash. Take your ass down to London. Go to the O2 and enjoy the fight card. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and these two will deliver. I favor White in that fight. I just think White has a lot more left. I think he's improved. And I think he wants either a rematch with AJ at some point, which I think if he beats Chisora again, with everything he's done, he's earned it. Or he wants a fight with Wilder. He's certainly more deserving of a fight with Wilder than Tyson Fury is. Let's be honest. So that's what's coming up, guys. All right, let's review what took place last week. All right, last Monday, October 29th, Pasay City, Philippines on ESPN+. Nicaraguan Felix Alvarado scores a TKO7 win over Filipino Randy Patelcorin. Um, I know I'm probably butchering that name, Patelcorin. Wins the vacant IBF 108-pound title. You can call it junior flyweight, super strawweight, however you want to say it. Uh, drops the Filipino three times in the seventh round before stopping him. Upset special as Nicaraguan goes over there. And, uh, you know, look, you're fighting a Filipino guy in the Philippines, vacant title. On paper, a lot of people would favor the Filipino fighter regardless of you know the level of opposition and everything coming in but for Alvarado great win for him you know he has twice challenged for titles and both times lost unanimous decisions and in 2013 he fought for a title in Japan in 2014 he fought for a title in Argentina both times he lost by decision this time he brought his own judges to the party they're called lefty and righty, and he won the fight with them. So good for him, man. I always love seeing guys like this who have, you know, tried a couple times and failed, but are willing to keep trying and travel and learn on the job. I just love seeing those types of stories, and it's just something we see in boxing, I believe, more so than any other sport. I just love it. So that was Monday the 29th, Tuesday the 30th, Hollywood Fight Night, which they streamed on their website, our 360 promotions streamed on their website. From the Avalon in Hollywood, uh, my old stomping grounds. Uh, this was a fun, you know, they do a fun card every time when they do these Hollywood Fight Nights, but they did it with a Halloween theme. And those of you guys who watched it, you saw, um, you saw Tom Loeffler dress up like Frankenstein. You saw um, Steve, Kim, and Doug Fisher called the action, and they were dressed up in uh, Halloween costumes. It was just a lot of fun, man. And by the way, quick tangent, congratulations to my friend, Steve Kim. He's a good friend of mine. I love him dearly. And he just got a new gig with ESPN. He's out there in Bristol, uh, touring the facilities out there. I know he's super, super excited. He should be, it's long overdue. The guy deserves it. So good for you, Steve. I love you, man. All right, so um, Hollywood Fight Night, Ukrainian, 
154-pound prospect, now trains out of Big Bear with Abel Sanchez and that crew. Serhi Bohachuk improves to 11-0 with 11 knockouts with a KO1 win. Time for him to step up the level of opposition. Saturday, November 3rd, we had a bunch of action around the world. Let's start at the SSE Hydro in Glasgow, Scotland. It was World Boxing Super Series Season 2 action from Sauerland Promoter on DAZN. And Nonito Donaire scores an upset special, kind of a freak accident type of upset special. Retirement after the fourth round win over Ryan Burnett. Claims the WBA Super Bantamweight title and the WBC Diamond Bantamweight title. He gets Zolani TT next. Ryan Burnett apparently slipped a disc and he took a knee in the fourth round. Uh, the ref started counting, which was weird. Obviously, a punch had not landed. Uh, it was very, very obvious that there was some sort of injury. No, you couldn't tell what the hell it was, but it looked like he kind of grabbed toward like his, uh, his side, you know, but there hadn't been a body punch landed for a while. So uh, for the ref to start counting, just, it just didn't, it seemed like he wasn't really in the moment. <laughs> he, he wasn't seeing what was happening right in front of him. Anyway, apparently it was a slip disc, which can be a bad injury, man. You know, my younger brother, Anthony slipped a disc um, man, years ago, he, probably 10 years ago, and it's given him trouble ever since. And he's been always been an athletic guy. He loves to run. He's, he loves like marathon running, like that kind of stuff. Very good cross-country runner and loves to box and used to go to the gym and would just be at the boxing gym for four or five hours going nuts, working out. Ever since he slipped that disc, it has affected him doing road work, all kinds of stuff. Some guys slip a disc, no issue. Some guys slip a disc and find out that there's a degenerative disc and there's an issue there and it spreads to other discs. And that's sort of what's happened with my younger brother, Anthony. So uh, hopefully we find out more about this injury for Burnett and he gets good medical care and they can look at all this and he can rehab and get back to the form he was before. So hopefully it's not a degenerative thing and it's just one of these freak injuries that occurs in sports and he can bounce back from this. But this fight was pretty much a competitive even fight at the time of the stoppage. And I gotta say, everybody was favoring Burnett coming in. I was leaning toward Donaire to a certain degree, um, not originally when this was signed, but I just started thinking about it more and more and more during fight week. And I was thinking, man, you know, Donaire has a really good chance to pull this off because just the wealth of experience and he has fought much bigger, stronger guys. And Burnett doesn't even punch hard for a Bantamweight. So Donaire is going to be able to take all of it, you know, anything Burnett can throw at him. So I really started to lean heavy for Nonito who is uh, 35 years old, and this is his best win in at least five years. I think it, you got to go back to 2013, I think it was, when he beat uh, Vic Darchinian in their rematch, and I, I think he stopped him again. Um, 2013, 2012, somewhere around there. But this guy went pro in 2001, uh, titles in four different divisions, You know, grabs titles in, in, in this fight again on the road, Goes on to the next round. I favor Zolani TT, but it's boxing. You never know. Either way, man, Donaire is a future Hall of Famer. And for Burnett, who left the fight or left the ring on a stretcher, 
you just hope that he can recover and get back to where he was. Also, main event, Josh Taylor improves to 14-0 in 12 knockouts with a TKO 7 win over Ryan Martin, who drops to 22-1 with 12 knockouts, his first professional loss. For Taylor, this was the fourth defense of his WB Silver Super Lightweight slash Junior Welterweight title. He gets Ivan Baranchek next. So he scored a knockdown in the seventh round. Martin was just getting beat up the last few rounds. You know, the fifth, sixth, seventh round, it was just kind of target practice. And he was being tough. He was staying in there. He, there was no quitting the kid, but he just had no answers. He, he looked almost shell-shocked to me because he was in there with a guy who was just so much more athletic and skilled than him. And you could tell it was kind of a shock to his system. Responded like a fighter should, like, like a fighter you know does, kept coming, kept trying. But after that knockdown in the seventh, the ref stopped it. And I thought it was a great stoppage. Why keep that thing going? For Martin, he's got to go back to the drawing board and learn from this. I actually think Martin is a good prospect and uh, has a future. But... Going up against Taylor, I just Taylor probably might be the best fighter in that division. And look, Progray had a great fight in his uh, semifinal fight, or I'm sorry, quarterfinal fight against uh, Flanagan. He did very, very well. But but for me, uh, this was even more impressive from Taylor. And right now, I rate Taylor number one in that tournament, and Progray number two. Maybe it's one A, one B. I slightly favor Taylor if they fight today. It really just depends on the you know where, how, when, all that stuff, all the X factors. I can't wait for the semis of that 140-pound tournament. It's great. The Bantamweight and Junior Welterweight Tournament in the World Boxing Super Series this year is awesome. It's just, just awesome. But Taylor, man, whew, he looked good in this fight. I actually think Martin will bounce back from this and be better. He's got seven rounds of tape, quote-unquote, to look at now, and Taylor might be the guy who wins this tournament. So he's got some, some footage to learn from and some things that he can rebound and, and improve on. I think he's going to be back. Okay, let's come over here to the U.S. of A., in um, Brooklyn, the Aviator Sports Complex. It was main events put on a card on Facebook Watch. In the main event, Sullivan Barrera, light heavyweight contender, improves to 22-2 and two at 14 knockouts with a unanimous decision win. Pretty much a shutout over Sean Monaghan. Scores were 91, or I'm sorry, 99-91 twice and 98-92. They were good scores. I mean, maybe you could give Monaghan a round or two, but... Uh, Barrera clearly controlled the action and um, got in some rounds. Not that he needs the rounds. He's had several long, grueling fights. But this was a good fight for Barrera to, to kind of get in there, uh, just coming off the Bevo loss, which is a rough, rough fight. You know, he took a lot of punches. He didn't take that many punches in this fight. And he was able to really dictate the, the action, dictate the pace. So good for him, and he will be lined up for another challenge. I don't know, right into a title challenge just yet, but against a top, probably top 10 rated light heavyweight, I would think, early next year. In Texas, at the Don Haskins Convention Center in El Paso, 
on ESPN+. It was the Battle of the Miguels, and this was a fun fight, although it was really one-sided. And after a while, I, I thought it could have been stopped a round or two before it was stopped. But uh, Miguel Burchell scores a TKO 9 over Miguel Roman, drops him three times. This was the fourth defense of his WBC junior lightweight title. I talked about it last week in the preview. I'd love to see him go, go up against the Puerto Rican, Alberto Machado, who has the WBA regular 130-pound title. That would be a unification. It'd also be Mexico versus Puerto Rico. And any time you get Mexico versus Puerto Rico, you get action. You get a good fight. But also, look, Tevin Farmer, he's got the IBF title. And uh, Japanese fighter Masayuki Ito, he has the WBO title. So that's just some unification. All right? That division's kind of blown up. There's no top guy. You could say, oh, maybe this guy's number one. Maybe that guy's number one. Maybe it's Machado. Maybe it's Roman. But I think right now most people feel those are the two top guys. Let's see them fight each other. Let's see them fight each other. All right. That is it for the review. Let's preview what we got coming up this week. Thursday, November 8th at the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. Golden Boy Promotions, another card on ESPN2. And in the main event, local fighter out of Lancaster, California, Nico Masias. He's 17-0 with 10 knockouts, 27 years old, 5'9 southpaw, going up against Jesus Soto Carras, who's given us a lot of action, spilled a lot of blood, but he is 0-5-1 in his last six fights, and he claims that this is his last fight. True story. His fight with Yoshihiro Kamagai, that was at the Belasco Theater in downtown LA. I covered that fight, and man, I'm trying to think what year. Was that 2015, maybe 2016? After the fight, myself, Steve Kim, Doug Fisher, Michael Baca, Tiffany was there. There was a few uh, other crew in there, hanging out, having drinks at the bar, at the club, at the Velasco, and uh, a lot of uh, Soto Cross's people were there. They were at the bar, and that dude was pounding back drinks, and they kept all going into the bathroom. So the way, the way that the Velasco is, is right when you walk in into the lobby, to the right is this bar, and behind that is a hallway where there's bathrooms. So that's where we were. And there was one point where I went back, I had to take a leak and I was going back into the bathroom and the bouncer stopped me. He goes, hold on a second, who are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, and I showed him my credential and everything is like, all right, you can go in there. He didn't know, he didn't recognize me, he didn't know who I was at first. All those guys in Soto Carras's crew were getting coked up in the bathroom just snorting lines, fucking doing bumps, just going nuts in the bathroom before they'd walk back into the bar and get more drinks. <laughs> right after a fight. And they just wanted to make sure I was cool before I walked in there. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool, I ain't gonna say shit. Walk in there, take a leak, you know, no, no issues. But every time I think of Jesus Soto Carras, I remember that. Another Jesus Soto Carras story. I was at a fight card at StubHub Center. God, who was fighting? Oh, I can't. It was a PBC card. And uh, I had a glove. And it was the one fight a year. I've told you guys, you know, I go to one card a year with Tiff, just as fans, where I won't work. 
So I can go there, I can have some drinks, and I can just relax with some friends, with some family in the stands, walk around and talk to you guys, and I don't have to stress about work. Well, this was that one fight card one particular year. This might go back to like 2014. And Jesus Sotocross was hanging out in the crowd. I had a glove and I was like, hey man, will you sign my glove? Uh, you know, mi nombre es Montero. You know, I told him, you know, and signs it. He goes, uh, uh, mi amigo Montero de, uh, de Jesus Sotocross. Boom, right there in my glove. And um, me and Tiffany were drinking <laughs> with some friends and Tiffany got pretty drunk pretty drunk and I went to the bathroom I left the glove with her I come back a few minutes later she's passed out in her seat and the glove is gone some asshole went up to a girl who was passed out at StubHub Center and stole the glove from her there you go boxing fans all right Two stories for you guys this week uh, <laughs> on TNC. Hopefully I didn't cause too much trouble with those stories. So uh, Jesus Soto Carras, if he has anything left, uh, it'll be interesting to see this uh, fight. I, I don't know, man. I really do hope he hangs it up after this. That dude has fought hard, lived hard, partied hard, and he's getting to that point where you, know, you could start really doing some damage here. So hopefully this is the last fight. Okay, Saturday, November 10th, we've got a lot of action all over the world. In Gliwice, I hope I'm saying that, Gliwice, Poland. On Poland TVP Sport, we've got heavyweight action, Arthur Spielka going up against Mariusz Wak. Spielka is 21-3 with 15 knockouts, 29 years old, 6'3 southpaw. Wak is 33-3, 17 knockouts, 38 years old, 6'7 though. So even though Vak is the bigger guy, he's the older guy, he's a lot stiffer. He just had a tough fight with uh, Jarrell Big Baby Miller. The thing with him is he's been busted for doing steroids before. You know, he went 12 hard rounds with Vladimir Klitschko, a prime Vladimir Klitschko, ate a million punches in that fight, never went down. Turns out he was on the juice and he was suspended for it. Is there drug testing for this fight? I don't know. But just based on levels, Spielka is the better boxer. He's younger. He's craftier. You got to favor Spielka, but that's going to be fun. And you got two big Polish guys fighting. That's going to be fun. Here in the States, in Miami, Florida, there is an integrated sports pay-per-view card featuring Yorokas Gamboa and Juan Manuel Lopez in layups. They have both talked about fighting each other next if they win. They're probably going to win. So if they win in Miami this Saturday, you're going to get Yuriokas Gamboa and Juan Manuel Lopez 10 years after it probably should have happened the first time. But that could be fun. So we'll see. Uh, also, speaking of uh, Juan Manuel Lopez is a Puerto Rican fighter. Well, speaking of Puerto Ricans, Felix Berdejo fighting in Puerto Rico. And I believe it will be on local Puerto Rican TV. I'm not sure about that, but I believe so. But no TV outside of Puerto Rico. Not even an internet stream or anything like that that I have heard of. Wow. You think of just how far this kid has fallen because he didn't take boxing seriously. At one point, he was the prospect of the year fighting on HBO, fighting on premium cable in the United States, fighting in you know, New York, fighting in big markets, and now off TV, fighting in Puerto Rico. Well, you get what you put in. 
right? Manchester Arena, Lancashire, UK. Matchroom on Sky Box Office over there uh, for you guys in the UK. And The Zone here for us in the States. Oleksandr Usyk defending his undisputed, unified, historic cruiserweight title, all those unified belts against Tony Bellew. So, tail of the tape. If you're a, I don't know, a, a guy who just got to boxing, you might look at the tail of the tape and be like, holy shit, Bellew's going to win. Bellew's 30 and 2 in 1. Has more than twice the amount of fights Usyk does as a pro. Usyk is 15 and 0 with 11 knockouts. Bellew has 20 knockouts. Bellew is every bit as tall, 6 foot 3, so is Usyk. Usyk bigger reach though. 78-inch reach, Bellew 74-inch reach. So Bellew's a little more narrow, but arm length-wise, the same. So as far as height and reach and all that, pretty much the same. Bellew's 35 years old. Usyk, not that much younger, 31 years old. So you start looking at this and you're like, man, it's in the UK. Bellew's a UK guy. He's in movies and stuff. He was in Creed, right? He's... He's the A-side when it comes to the promotion of this fight. He really truly is the, the box office A-side when you look at it. He is. So, yeah, you just got to the sport of boxing. You might look at this and be like, holy shit, this Bellew guy might pull this off. But you just take a look a little further and you start to break down the resumes. And I look, I know a lot of you UK guys get pissed off at me for saying this because... It's not that I'm trying to beat up on Tony Bellew. It's just the reality. He's overrated. And he's, uh, his market value is crazy inflated. And I hesitate to put him in a, in a bucket with a guy like Adrian Broner because Broner is an idiot that makes really bad decisions and doesn't take uh, boxing as seriously as he should. I think Bellew actually does work hard and train hard, and, and, and you, he gets a lot out of himself. I think Broner might have more natural talent than Bellew. So Bellew, you know, does achieve, but he's just, for, for the market value the guy has, he's just, you look at his resume, there's not much substance there. His best wins, the best wins of his career, were a split decision win in 2014 over Nathan Cleverly. That was a rematch because they had fought earlier. This was a rematch at Cruiserweight, right? That was, you know, the Nathan Cleverly win and then Isaac Chalemba. Unanimous decision over him in 2013 at 175 pounds. So I think he fought Cleverly and Chalemba twice. I think both of them twice. But those are his best wins, okay? Now, at one point, both Chalemba and Cleverly were top 10 light heavyweights. I never considered Cleverly a top cruiserweight, even though he fought there. But uh, both at some point were top 10 light heavyweights. Yes. And Chalemba is still a tricky guy that is hard to look good against. So a win over him is a quality win, absolutely. But you look at Oleksandr Usyk, and he already has wins on the road. These weren't all in Ukraine. But he has wins over Christoph Glovaki, Marco Huck, Marius Bredis, Murat Gassiev. All four of those wins are at least as good 
as wins over Nathan Cleverly and Isaac Chalemba, I feel they're better. At least a couple of them are better wins. But then you got to think about the amateurs. Now, he lost in the amateurs. I, he fought Artur Beterbiev several times in the amateurs. And I think he lost once, but he beat him several times as well. I know he lost at some point to Sean Porter when Sean Porter was just older and more experienced. But he's got wins over Badu Jack, Matvey Korobov, Tervel Pulev, who is uh, the cruiserweight, um, Pulev's brother, Kubrat Pulev's brother, uh, a good quality fighter. So he's got a lot of these great wins. He's got the Olympic wins, the, the gold medals, right? You just start looking at resumes. You start looking at craft and levels. Guys, Usyk is going to win this fight. It will be a decision, but he will win a fairly wide, unanimous decision. That's what we're going to see in this fight. Also on this card, Anthony Crawler, Ricky Burns, and 2016 Olympian Josh Kelly. And of course, if you got the zone, you get all the fights. So you get to see all that action. They ain't just showing the main event like you used to get on HBO. So would you guys like to see me call the main event? I'm not going to call the whole card. I'm not going to go for three hours. But would you like to see me call the main event on my YouTube channel? Please let me know because I think this would be a fun one to call for you guys and uh, we can watch it together over on YouTube while we're watching on the zone. So let me know what you think about that, okay? Also on the zone, but from here in America, the UIC Pavilion in Chicago. The winners here, this is World Boxing Super Series, cruiserweight action, and the winners of these two fights will face each other in the semifinals in the cruiserweight tournament. Marius Bradis, who I just talked about, 24-1, and 18 KOs. Uh, one loss, and that was to Oleksandr Usyk, and it was a very close fight in their semifinal fight in the first year of the World Boxing Super Series. Going up against an Armenian-German, Noel Gever, who is 23-1 with 10 knockouts. For Bradius, this will be his third fight of 2018. For Gever, or Jever, this is his first fight of 2018. It's his first fight since a unanimous decision win over Isaiah Thomas last September in Germany. So he's been out of the ring for over a year. Bradis has been active. You got to favor Bradis big in this fight. I personally believe that Marius Bradis might be the second best cruiserweight in the world. I really, really do. I think he's probably better than Gassiev. I think just based on what we saw in the, the World Boxing Super Series last year. Now, maybe I'm wrong. And if I am wrong, we'll find out with this fight. Bradis should steamroll Gever. He should, if he is who I think he is. Also, Christoph Govaki, who I just talked about, he has one loss in his career against Oleksandr Usyk. He is 30-1, 19 knockouts, going up against Russian Maxim Vlasov, who is 42 and 2, 25 knockouts. I've covered a couple of his fights. I've seen him fight live. Good quality fighter. This is for the interim WBO Cruiserweight title. Uh, for Glovaki, he is 4 and 0 with three knockouts since his lone loss to Usyk in 2016. For Vlasev, he started as a professional boxer in 2005 as a middleweight. Like, I believe he weighed 159 for his first fight. Now, he was 18, 19 years old which for a Russian, you don't see many Russians go pro that young. But just naturally, Glovaki is the bigger, stronger guy. 
He's been active. Uh, he hasn't fought the best opposition since losing to Usyk, but he has stayed active. He's been winning. You got to favor him in this fight. You just have to favor him over Vlasov. So in the semifinals, on the other side, we're going to get Dortikos versus Tabiti, but we're also going to get, I think, Bradis versus Glavaki. And I think Bradis Glavaki is going to be a great fight. And I think Dortikos versus Tabidi is going to be a damn good fight as well. Guys, do not sleep on this Cruiserweight tournament. I'm telling you, it's, it's worth your time to check out. It's going to be good. Also, Monday, November 12th at uh, Korakuin Hall in Tokyo, Japan. Tomoki Kameda, who is 35-2 with 20 knockouts, going up against... Abigail Medina, who is 19 and 3, who is a Dominican Republic native who lives and trains now in Spain. They are fighting for the interim WBC Super Bantamweight title there in Tokyo. Obviously, I favor Kameda big time. Medina's resume, not much there. But we have seen stranger things. And some of the Japanese fighters, you know, they've taken some upset losses this year. But I like Kameda in this fight to take that interim title. One of the five billion interim titles the WBC has handed out. Okay, so that is it for episode 146. Guys, again, let me know. Usyk Bellew, you want a live fight party? I say we do it. I say we hang out and have some drinks and watch the fight together. Let me know what you guys think, all right? Like, share, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Remember your fee for this week. I want one friend over to my YouTube channel to subscribe, all right? I'll see you at the fights.